We're back again. Hi, everyone. Hi, welcome back. We're just going to make sure our guest joins. <laughs> okay. Trust me, we're going to have a free, smooth flow. Hi. this time hi hey. oh perfect perfect much better hey i'm happy <laughs> awesome sorry about that technical glitch no worries it happens to the best of us righty so uh you're about to tell us who you are what it is you do your contribution to the marketing world sure um firstly i think thanks for having me on your platform um, when we started chatting, it was super exciting and definitely something that sparked my interest. And thank you um, to Jay who connected us, I think, uh, for yeah. us to have this conversation today. Um, just a little bit about myself. So I have got extensive marketing background. Um, I've been in marketing for about 10 years now. Um, I studied a BCom and I majored in marketing. Um, I did my MBA and I'm currently studying um, a postgrad exec diploma in digital uh, transformation. Um, I've worked at quite a number of companies as well, um, both uh, on the agency side and also on client brand side. So I've got experience from Accenture, um, from Ogilvy & Matha, which is one of the biggest creative agencies um, in Africa, as we know it. And now I hit up... Um, uh, marketing and comms and consumer experience. So basically responsible for looking after that entire consumer journey from start to finish, um, acquisition uh, right through to retention for an automotive brand. And that's Volvo Cars um, for South Africa and, and other African markets. So yeah, that's pretty much me in a nutshell. <laughs> really? And there's so much more to talk about. I mean, I, I know this is not part of the questions that I wanted to ask, but tell me about your experience <laughs> winning Dragon's Den South Africa. Listen... Yeah, so I have uh, an entrepreneurial streak within me. Um, I think that I've dabbled in it um, in my early 20s. And it's something that I think throughout my career, I'll probably continue to dabble in because I really love entrepreneurship and the concept of uh, youth empowerment and also just I think being able to make a contribution in a difference South Africa and Africa through business, right? Um, when I was doing my actually I got the opportunity to feature on Dragon's Den season one um, where I pitched my uh, mobile tech beauty platform um, back then which I think was where I hit of its time because pretty much the business was um, almost like an uber of beauty where it was an app that connected consumers who wanted um, basically home services with uh, independent service providers um, and basically it would be everything delivered to your to your house of so beauty on demand pretty much. Um, so I went on the show and I pitched that business and I got funding from from the dragons. <laughs> and I did it on the side for, for a couple of years actually. <laughs> yeah, um this and is then after crazy. That I, Yeah, it it was a very exciting uh opportunity. 
And I think definitely one that shaped me. There were so many lessons there from a business perspective, mm-hmm. um, in terms of personal growth, in terms of me understanding what I actually wanted to do in terms of my future, my career, business aspirations. So lots of learnings, but definitely also fun along the way. Um, I think being quite ahead from a tech platform perspective and not knowing it that a few years later there'll be more platform businesses that are being launched left right and center um maybe if i'd known that i would have stuck it out a bit longer <laughs> <laughs> i think you know a word that keeps coming out of um every time you're speaking is fun it seems like you really yeah. enjoy what you do uh so majority of the people that hop on the show are either you know small yeah. brands you know not really established individuals here. And we're talking about brand growth. Uh, mm. And in this digital age, digital marketing is definitely the way to go. So what do we, how have you observed uh, how brands grow uh, them, their, their businesses or personal brands over the years, past pre-COVID and now uh, during COVID? So have you real, uh, noticed any difference in the way in which uh, digital marketing has been utilized? Um, absolutely. And I think that's probably what sparked my interest in terms of this topic. Um, one, I'm very passionate about marketing and I've developed such a keen interest in, and a passion as well for digital marketing because it's where the industry is going. Um, and not just industry, digital transformation is taking over. It's like um, the fourth industrial revolution, um, so to speak. And watching how um, you know marketing has evolved over the years, I mean, if you think about it, Back in the day, marketing used to be newspapers, TVs, um, you know, road signs, billboards, and that was the measure of, you know, brand exposure. And with the evolution of the Internet of Things and, you know, things like Google advertising, social media advertising, just social media, just that phenomenon alone, um, we've seen that transition from offline to literally digital first and uh, moving on to an online kind of way of, of existing. Um, for brands and you can see so I think brands have been impacted quite a bit and I think that they've had to be more reactive Um, the brands who are now coming up are probably more proactive in terms of understanding how to navigate and how to exist within the digital space but they've had to discard and move away from the traditional way of thinking and looking at how we market our brands and our products it's no longer just for example about pushing a product onto customers or you know you trying to shape how a customer thinks or feels about your brand Um, digital has kind of led customers to be at the center of everything and now customers basically pull you in as a brand customers will dictate um, the kind of products they want the kind of services they want the kind of ecosystems they want where they want to be found and I think all of that has been led by digital um, transformation as a whole because that for me is just about how are we leveraging technology in our different industry and then specifically in marketing how are we leveraging the different technology that exists for us so it's been such an interesting journey to watch as a marketeer and having to transition as well um, to, as I mentioned, you know, just um, measuring AVs from a PR perspective or, you know, getting spots on TV and that is your deliverable tick done. Um, yeah. Now everything is, you know, are you online? What are you doing online? How are you allocating your budget online? Are you measuring, you know, everything is data centric and data driven. Um, and I think that for the next couple of years, we're going to see more transitions, especially within Africa, um, when it comes to digital marketing specifically. In light of understanding the fact that a lot of businesses are transitioning towards the whole digital marketing space, we have the big guys versus the little guys. So the little guys now finding themselves competing. I mean, though we appreciate this transition towards, um, you know, the digital marketing um, aspect, how does, what does this mean for the little guys? Uh, Do they still have to find a way to compete against these big guys who have the funding to do so? You know what? I actually think that this makes the landscape more leveled um, for the little guys, um, for your startups, your SMEs. They now actually can get their foot in the door because if you look at like the comparison that I used previously, right, where traditional marketing was from a price point of view pegged way out of reach for small businesses or for startups or for small brands, whereas digital marketing, you can literally run an ad with a thousand rand. 
Um, I think for me, it's more about your strategy and your approach. So now they actually are, I think, on playing ground with the big guys and they can access the exact same consumer. Um, obviously, with the bigger brands, bigger corporations, et cetera, they can always pump more money. But I honestly believe digital marketing is not just about the, the, the financial aspect. It's about your strategic approach. It's about your value proposition and how do you deliver that? Um, in an efficient way to a customer because at the end of the day, customers are inundated with information and they're also very much so, they operate across devices. So yes, you might have a big player, you know, pushing quite a heavy budget on search, for example, but maybe as a smaller player, you know, your strength lies in how do you leverage social and how do you leverage the quality of your content to be able to reach a consumer? Um, so definitely levels up the playing field and definitely squeezes the smaller guys to actually now say, what am I about and how do I deliver my message across to a customer to make them look? Um, which makes, I think, um, the, the digital marketing space quite exciting and interesting right now because you're also starting to see the big guys really start to notice the small players. Um, right. One thing about small brands and small companies is they're able to personalize better than big brands. Um, mm. Big brands have got so much red tape, hierarchy, etc. Whereas you, you find small companies and small brands um, are quite agile, quite nimble, quite responsive and can really, really like get to the crux of what a customer wants and tailor make their offering or messaging accordingly. I absolutely love that. And how does uh, particularly these small brands, how do they uh, position themselves to be in a constant move of innovation? How do they yeah. look at their brand and con find themselves innovating? Because in as much as we appreciate and we push for supporting local businesses, they too need to level up and, you know, grant us the proper quality that we desire as well, also in their branding. I think you touch on something so spot on there about small brands and it's, it's about leveling up um, and understanding that honestly, you do have a seat at the table. Um, it's just about mm. what do you do uh, with that space that you've been given at the table, right? And it's about really delivering value to your point. It's so easy for a small brand to overlook um, the consumer journey, to overlook the different touch points that a consumer comes into contact with your brand on digital platforms. Um, and it's in the smallest of things, right? I'll give a very random but practical example. And, and I think, you know, women out there would relate. At some point or another, you've tried to buy hair extensions or wigs. And at some point or another, you try to do it on Instagram. And I always say, you know, it's so underwhelming to get an experience where you can send a DM to somebody because you're interested in their product and they respond three days later. It's those little touch points that make a difference because guess what? The moment I search for a wig on Instagram, I'm going to get served an ad for a wig from, from another company. Um, so it's really about how do we, to your point, as small brands level up and not just go by um, our credibility and the fact that we're proudly South African or proudly African. We need to take it a step further because we also, what digital allows us is to compete on a broader landscape. We're not just limited to operating within Kauteng or within South Africa or within SADC. You know, we can operate across Africa. We can operate, um, you know, across the globe. And when you apply that way of thinking, I think it ups your quality and ups your game from just a digital marketing and digital approach perspective to how you value your you choose to interact with your customers and are you paying attention to what your customers are saying um, about your brand about their needs and you know ultimately what are you doing about it so I would say that small businesses really need to pay more attention to customers um, there's so many tools that are available as well to them in understanding and, and leveraging the the digital space you know social media do you really understand each and every platform and what it's good for um, an example, again, one thing I found that businesses make a mistake of doing is like a spray and pray approach. So I'm going to run the same ad on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, but each of those platforms right. serve different purposes. Yeah. So it's little things like that, that you can begin to tweak. That's going to make a customer say, oh, I saw this on Facebook, but it was a different, let's say, piece of creative. And now I see it on Instagram and now it's a different picture. This looks interesting. Let me click through and, and find out. So it's like small little things that businesses can do just to kind of stand out, um, fully defining and understanding what your value is and speaking to that when it comes to a customer um, is also very important and not just, you know, again, spray and pray. You know, this is, you know, we offer convenience and that's it. Why do you offer convenience? Do you deliver a certain product? Um, do you save me time with a certain product? How are you packaging what you're offering in a manner that's really going to entice a customer 
to want to choose you versus another brand. That was absolutely spot on, as particularly uh, regarding the social media aspect. So I'm a social media manager, and what we find is yeah. a lot of businesses forget that you have different audiences on different platforms. TikTok, yeah. very different audience. Yeah, Facebook, different audience. And so you find that they're marketing there and you're like, that's the wrong place to place this particular <laughs> add-on. And speaking yeah. of common mistakes that you've mentioned, uh, what are the common mistakes that you've seen big brands and small brands, whether they're similar or just completely different, what are the common mistakes you've seen them um, do when it comes to trying to grow their brands on digital media? Yeah. Um, so interestingly enough, I think the past few weeks, um, because of, you know, going back into in South Africa, going back into lockdown level four, and then I think with all the unrest that's been going on, um, I kind of took a step back and started watching a bit of the activity that was going on around different mm -hmm. brands. And I won't name any brands, <laughs> I'll just say maybe industries in which they operate in. And one of the things that I picked up and that I started just thinking about and asking myself is, are brands conscious about when to engage and when not to engage mm. based on, you know, their brand ethos? And I, I just I started, mm. you know, following brands, looking at the activity on social, on Twitter, you know, LinkedIn, some of the articles that come out on the marketing platforms, this community, etc. And that's one mistake that I found brands make. Um, one, not being sensitized or conscious to your, your, your market and your environment and what's going on which should inform how you communicate and how you engage. And sometimes no communication and no engagement is, is great for a brand. Um, it's safer that way. And you just focus on community management because you run the risk of saying or doing the wrong thing. Like I've mentioned, you know, the past few weeks, would I have supported or as a brand custodian, would I have actually said, you know, to let's say my social team, um, please continue like posting normal posts or, you know, talking about product and, and, you know, our value proposition and price point. No, because no one is listening to that. And you run the risk of seeming very insensitive to the realities right. of what are going on. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that would be one. And then I think the inverse of that would be if brands choose to actually then go ahead and engage, you know, be very careful about how you're engaging. I mean, there's one brand, one food brand who just, um, engaged and communicated around, uh, you know, the political unrest with, with Jacob Zuma, etc. And I completely disagreed with that approach and that view because you take a spin on something because it's your brand ethos, but, you know, are you not isolating an entire audience who's still consumer product? So you can't wow. take personal issues and translate them, you know, via a brand. You run so many risks. And I think as marketers as well, um, one thing that I would err on the side of caution um, as a second point would be not to take your brand and try and translate your preferences through it. Um, you know, you're responsible for looking after a brand, whether it's a small brand, whether it's a startup, um, whether it's a big established brand. I always say, look at it and understand it within its own identity and ask yourself, would brand X do this and why? Mm -hmm. And if you're going to answer that, then don't do it. Um, you know, marketers, brand managers, it will be a case of I feel like this and I feel like I want to say something therefore we should say something and that could end a lot of brands up in, in trouble we've seen that with clicks we've seen that with Dove we've seen that with H&M um, not just understanding market dynamics and not knowing when to speak um, I think another thing that I would say you know brands should just look out for um, is not throwing money at everything and just thinking it's going to solve you know a marketing problem or it's going to result in an influx of sales it's always very good and important to have very clear objectives behind any campaign. And again, this applies to even small businesses. If you're going to launch, do you understand what you want to achieve with a launch? And that should inform how you spend your money and how much of it you spend. Um, if you are wanting to run a sale, do you understand what you want to achieve with that sale? That should inform everything that follows. So always having very clear marketing objectives that speak to your business objectives. Um, again, it's, it's so easy to run the risk of um, isolating yourself as marketing and leading with passion versus logic and, yeah. and business sense and business acumen um, to inform all your marketing objectives. And again, those are things that are applicable to a small brand. Like I said, I've dabbled in entrepreneurship. I've looked after big brands, but I take a lot of key, key insights into, let's say, my own independent project or my consulting business or projects, businesses that I'm looking to start. And I say, how can I apply my learnings from a big scale 
to the small business because I think then you're leading with excellence and you're not looking at it yeah. and treating it as something small. Therefore, it doesn't really matter. But you're applying the same principles for something that's big to something that's small um, for the sake of the benefit of the customer. Yeah. And you had mentioned the Jacob Zuma <laughs> incident <laughs> in South Africa. So we're talking about there's a lot of we're living in such disruptive times. If it's not political unrest, it's, you know, quote, the pandemic. And mm. how does a brand retain their consumers, but they have to keep pushing their brand. So I think also there's the question of when do I say something? When do I not say something? I'm looking at deadlines. I'm not making money. I need to do this. So um, in terms yeah. of like timing, uh, how do we time ourselves as brands? Uh, how do we retain our customers? How do we ensure that our customers feel safe and assured that we're still there even though we're not vocal in pushing our products yeah. or about certain you know societal issues sure um that's a very good question and for me customer retention is not about what you're talking it's about you delivering value consistently right so using the same example that we're on now you could not say anything on social media, but from a CRM perspective, an email marketing perspective, you know, you're engaging with your customers every second, third day. You're not bombarding them with emails, but, you know, you're just checking in with them. You know, you are letting them know, you know, either you're open for business, if you've got specials to save, um, you know, an extra rand for them. It's how you communicate. Again, to my earlier point around social media, that applies across the board for digital. It's about understanding what each platform is for, right? And using it accordingly. So brands, again, will look at it and just think, um, okay, social media, we need to say something. We don't want to lose customers. Let, let me go and post. And that just has, you know, an, an inverse reaction. I'll give you an example. I'm part of um, a media group, and I won't mention brands. And there was a discussion around a liquor brand where ambassadors were actually posting content that's unrelated, unrelated to what's currently happening, unrelated to lockdown, just, you know, just always on, like just ticking my deliverables, as you say, because um, right. I need to make money as an ambassador. And we started talking about what is the right behavior for ambassadors. And to be honest, for me, again, understanding, you know, the repercussions that could come from speaking when uncertain, rather don't. Um, mm. And second to that, understand which platform does what. You're better off running a paid display campaign where no one can comment or engage with your ad um, than going to engage on social media during very difficult um, periods, especially if it's like a national crisis or things that affect yeah. the livelihood of people. Um, if you choose to have those conversations, you need to make sure that the conversations actually add value because you could actually lose customers that way. You know, mm. so again, selling is not just about a direct push. It's not just about, I need to tell my customer I've got a special on social media. It's not about that. It's, you know, maybe we can do an EDM. Maybe we can do like um, an email that we send out to our customer database, um, push notifications. Again, digital is across different touch points. Um, you know, maybe let's go for display. Maybe we up our spend on search because maybe consumers might be searching information and we can serve them ads. So again, it, for me, it's about your digital strategy and knowing what platform does what. Um, versus just ticking boxes. Absolutely, absolutely. And then how do businesses, how can businesses leverage uh, the concept of technology, not just technology itself, yeah. to grow their brands for both SMMEs and corporates? Love that question. <laughs> Love that question because I think that we're living in a time where you constantly have to be asking yourself, how am I adapting and then how am I evolving? And for you to evolve, you need to lean on and leverage technology. Um, I always say it's important to remain on the pulse and understand what's going on in your industry. Um, you know, in terms of uh, innovations, in terms of uh, transitions, for example, um, as I mentioned, I'm in automotive. We are literally migrating to, you know, the traditional way of buying a car to now possibly buying cars online. If you want to survive within that industry, you need to start looking at how those evolutions can work for your business. It's not, again, a, you know, one size fits all, but if this is where the industry is going, how then do you, um, how then do you adapt accordingly? So I think it's being on the pulse of your industry, um, understanding your competition and always knowing what they're doing. Sometimes you're better off knowing more about your competition than your own business, because that will tell you where you can play, right? 
Um, mm. Again, competition for me is not a case of let me measure up to my competition and be exactly the same as them. It's about where do the gaps lie, where my competitors are not playing, then I can play within that space. So for example, e-commerce, um, how do I leverage that? Um, from a digital marketing strategy, you know, am I A-B testing the stuff that I put out? And again, that's not stuff that big brands can only do. Small brands can A-B test. And A-B testing is basically testing one piece of creative versus another. Um, to see what works for my customers, you know, to see what works versus what my competitors are doing. Um, am I on top of, and am I staying abreast of trends, for example, in terms of the industry mm. and um, how other brands are marketing? So if you touched on TikTok, and I love that one because I had a call with TikTok earlier, sorry, this is Monday, last week, sorry, lose sight of the days, um, last week, Thursday. And it was so interesting when they were showing us how different brands are starting to use TikTok. And I am not a TikToker, so I don't have a full appreciation of it, but looking at what brands can actually do and how they can brand different features, different filters, et cetera, just broadens you up. So, you know, as a business, especially as a small business, you know, read, understand what's going on, understand innovations within marketing and how you can leverage them and then understand broader technologies and how they can enhance your business. Um, things like AI, machine learning. Again, those are not things that are, um, you know, that small brands can't access. Uh, machine learning is something that you easily get through Google search very easily. But, you know, yeah. are you willing to expose yourself enough to that kind of information to learn? Absolutely. And I loved what you talked about uh, when you mentioned, you know, TikTok. I actually recently joined it. So follow me if you're watching this. But <laughs> I recently joined it only because I love the algorithm. So the algorithm, yeah. so right now, Instagram has openly mentioned that TikTok is its biggest competitor because its algorithm is just so much easier for influencers and brands to be easily discovered and to interact with people. So, I mean, it's just an appreciation of that, like you had mentioned. Um, I want to touch base again on the customer retention situation again. Um, how yeah. can businesses utilize, uh, in just in simplistic terms, utilize you know digital marketing, whether it's by you know, websites, a user-friendly website or, you know, social mm. media, but using it effectively to uh, retain their customers. Because I know that there's usually this pressure to get more customers because the current customers yeah. are not enough. So then we forget about the existing ones. Absolutely. And I think the first point you touch on, things like just having a user-friendly website, a website that is optimized for mobile, for example, a lot of people take that for granted, which makes the consumer journey completely, you know, it's, it's tedious. It's something that I just, you, your drop off just shoots out of the roof. If I have yeah. to struggle to access information or if the checkout process is very difficult. So I often encourage businesses to walk the journey themselves. You know, if you use a website or if you use an app, um, you know, go through that consumer journey and see how you experience and then ask yourself, would I buy um, a product or a brand if this was the journey that, that I'm offered? Um, social media, like I mentioned, um, customer retention. Social media is great for feedback, um, community management, and just listening to what uh, consumers are saying about your brand, what they're saying about your competitor brands, and jumping in those conversations, you know. Um, I think when conditions or market conditions are calm and there's nothing that's influencing uh, people on a personal level, be a part of the conversation, be responsive, um, be quick to respond as well. Because again, sometimes customers could buy product from you. And if you're talking about retention, the moment they've got feedback, they're not going to necessarily go look for your number to call you or to, nowadays they pretty much either go on Twitter into your DMs or they go on Instagram or Facebook, slide into your DMs and comment. Um, you know, basic things, are your notifications on? Are you actually paying attention to that feedback? Mm. Um, are you responding quickly as well? And also the tone in which you respond. Um, again, take, that, take your business and imagine how would I want this business to sound? Not how I, Charmaine, would want to sound or how I would want to respond because sometimes, you know, as people, you respond, you see, or you see feedback. You're not happy with what they're saying. It's so easy to come off in the wrong tone. So just making sure, I think, that, you know, your, the tonality in communication with customers um, is, is, is positive and is receptive of that feedback. And then after, you know, being receptive of feedback, I think it's taking action. Um, be solutions-driven. 
uh, there's no point going back and forth with the customer about who's right, who's wrong. Um, there's an, an old saying, which I still believe in, even within the digital era, and that's the customer's always right. Sometimes it costs you less um, yeah. to retain a customer when you just let them be, obviously, depending on the circumstances and the product or service, then it would take you to fight the customer. Um, for something that is not like a high value product, it might be worth just either, you know, replacing a product, um, you know, replacing a service, sending them a courtesy thank you or an apology product just to be able to retain that customer. Because again, customers are inundated with options. Um, the moment they're not happy with you, they're very quick to replace as well. And you need to be very conscious about that. So how are you interacting? How are you engaging? And then how are you taking action if customers are not happy or satisfied? Um, and I think just lastly, leveraging referrals, like really, really mm. leveraging referrals from customers because they have become your biggest advocates. It's basically word of mouth online. Um, again, if we're to compare with what marketing used to be, everybody used to rely on either physical referrals or verbal referrals. Um, now those referrals are just either people sharing your product, people, and you know, you don't even have to pay them to do that. Just make sure they're happy with your service and with what you delivered and people will talk about you. So leveraging that and, you know, engaging with customers who do give you, you know, that positive feedback and asking them to, you know, pass on or refer a friend for a discount or for an extra value add is very useful. Absolutely brilliant. We have a question here. It's, what is the best advice for yeah. someone who is the face of the brand? And how do you create a distinction between the brand and the personality? To understand um, would be, is it face? All right, so we lost Jermaine there for a minute, but we'll get her back on to answer the rest of our questions. Uh, there are a lot of questions here. No, you're not disconnected. <laughs> you're not disconnected, Uh We're just going to bring her back in a bit. Hey. There we go. All right. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> no problem. No problem. We're going to get through this. So yeah, the question was, um, how do you, uh, what if you're the face of a brand? Uh, the person actually asked us an author, so... And when, yeah, she's in the okay. comment section right there. So what if you're the face of the brand? Uh, how do you distinct, distinguish between the brand itself and personality? Do you merge the two? Yeah. How do you go about it? Yeah. Um, thanks. I think just giving context to actually what they do helps quite a bit. Um, and the piece of advice that I would probably give is by way of example, where um, I am Charmaine, the professional, and then I've also, you know, ventured out into a consulting business that does a number of things. Um, and I went through the journey of, do I present myself as Charmaine Mavuzi and then just kind of try and merge what I do to that? Or do I pretty much launch a separate brand? And I chose to launch a separate brand. It's still a person, but that person has got a different brand identity, different brand persona, different personality, because in essence, that is still a business. That is still something that I'm going to monetize. And it might be a physical human being I'm selling, but I need to package it in such a way that has attributes that are going to make somebody want to pay for something I'm offering, which, you know, if it's Charmaine and it's just ordinary me and you're, you know, you're getting the business side, the social side, the family side, you might get a little muddled in who this brand or business actually is. Um, a great way to look at it as well is if you look at musicians and artists, um, and we'll use a very typical one who does this phenomenally, and that's Beyonce. I think that woman that you see that does performances, that does, you know, collaborations with, with Adidas, etc., that is a brand she has built. Um, you know, people hardly, hardly call her Beyonce Knowles. They literally, it's just Beyonce and that's a brand. And I'm sure if you were to then strip all of that, you'd have Beyonce, the individual person. So I would definitely say, 
package that author, that person into a brand. Um, it might not be, you know, too far off from your personal identity, but I think being able to deliver it as a package is, is just more marketable. Yeah. Um, and you start to look at it and treat it more like a business versus just, you know, this is me, I'm just an author. Right, right. Um, so our next question is, is it possible to do, and I'll put this in quotations, too much in terms of digital marketing for brands that are starting out? Um, good question. I think that too much is relative to what your brand does. Um, but I do think Simply put, yes, it is very possible to overinvest, to, you know, overactivate within the digital space. Again, you can lose a lot of resource. Resource leakage is a real thing because you're just kind of shooting everywhere. Um, and it also just takes away from you have a very, having a very strategic, tailored approach to your efforts. Remember, digital is effective because you can measure it. Um, you can understand it, you can learn from it, and then you can iterate, which is basically improving on what you've done before. If you're doing way too much, it's very difficult, one, on your resources, especially if you're starting out, because you don't want to spend too much. Digital space, but then also you don't want to do too little. So I think having a very clear, focused, strategic approach to your digital marketing based on what you do and focusing on. Okay, please let me know in the comment section if you can see me. All right, she's now bring her back in. Um, but I hope you got your question. I'm just hoping to get her back on in. Uh, but meanwhile, please do follow Uchi Wright. She's written an incredible book. It's called Me Before You, more especially for such disruptive times. I think it's going to help every entrepreneur out there, any employee out there. So please do go and support. Um, and the person who did ask this question Yes, it's from Zaron Botswana. So they got really, um, they're a makeup brand that specializes in makeup for women of color. So we're just going to try and get Charmaine back on in. If you have any other questions, please do um, put them. I appreciate you too. Oh, you're back here. Great, 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 great. Let's just get you back in. We're just going to get her. If you have any more questions, you feel free to just add them in the questions tab. And she'll, she'll answer them. Hello, Lerato. Thank you so much for joining in. So as um, she, Charmaine had mentioned regarding to the question that's pinned here, um, pertaining to whether it's possible to do too much. It's too much to, uh, in terms of digital marketing for brands, for brands to, to spend too much. Yes, it is. So I think it's probably better to look at uh, the impact that you want to make as a brand, how, how much of an impact you want to make, what, how does your budget look like? Are you willing to overspend? So what are you looking at doing? Um, so as we try to get her back in, I think we're all learning quite a lot when it comes to uh, customer retention, particularly um, in terms of social media. Are you replying your potential customers in on time? Are you taking three to five working days before replying them? So these are questions that we need to ask ourselves, especially as small brands here. And also understanding and appreciating the fact that even though we're on the same playing ground as or competitive ground as larger businesses, established corporates, this allows us to be on the same uh, playing field as them. So I'm just trying to get Charmaine back in. I'm wondering what the problem is. 
I'm wondering what the promise is, uh, but thank you for staying on in. Really do appreciate your support. Let's try and get Charmaine on in. I think if we're not able to get her back yet, we're just going to do a part two of the session. Hi. Awesome. Hey. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> You we are put looking... up a good fight today. <laughs> I'm telling you, we might have to move to TikTok. If this is how they play, we're going to have to move. You might just convert me, I promise you. <laughs> uh, but you're just wrapping up uh, the question as to whether it's too much. If you're starting out, is there something as such as too much? Or is yeah. there, you just go all the way when it comes to digital marketing for a brand that's just starting out? Absolutely. And I think just as closing remarks, yes, there can be too much. Rather be more focused, be more intentional um, about your approach and your resources and focus on things that you can measure that will work best for your business or your service. Um, and then over time, you can always expand in terms of, you know, uh, other digital channels that you that you leverage. Awesome. Another question is, how does a brand ensure target audience reach without getting lost in the pool of online information? That's such a good question. That is a really good question. And for me, it's one word, segmentation. <laughs> um, the nice thing as well with most of the advertising platforms um, or the digital businesses that you might use or you might leverage for your, for your online ads like Google, like Facebook, they're becoming very good. Um, in terms of segmentation and helping you do that. Um, so if you look at Facebook ads, for example, are you looking at the kind of audience? First of all, who is your product targeted to? Um, and then are you creating segments that speak to that audience? And that's the thing with segmentation. For it to be effective, you don't just do it once and leave it at that. Um, you constantly wow. have to be going back to update your segmentation, to see what's working, to see what's not. Um, an interesting term that I, I love in, in um, digital marketing and digital advertising is lookalike audiences. And what that basically means is when you have customers who are converting, take the kind of profile of that customer and plug it back into your segments that you create on uh -huh. Facebook ads or on Google advertising. Um, and pretty much that's it. And constantly go back to your data and improve on that. And what ends up happening over time, let's say if you look at a one-year period, you end up sitting with buckets of segments um, that you can then chop and change based on the products and services that you continue to develop, uh, whether it's new products, whether it's an extension of products, um, you then begin to target differently. And again, you just monitor performance where you're getting results, you put more effort and more spend. Where you're not, then you definitely need to kind of look at, am I targeting the right age group, the right demographic, the right location? And it's small little tweaks like that that make the world of difference. Absolutely. That's so brilliant. Um, another question is, how does a small business and brand communication consultancy source out corporate work? That's a good question. <laughs> That's a good question because I think I'm experiencing that in my own personal journey. Um, having have you know launched a separate entity that's looking to consult for corporates as well. Um, I would say it's probably a couple of things. So you know, be very targeted in your approach. Um, it's not a spray and pray. Don't do one proposal. Find the right contact and just send it to everybody and hope that you're going to, you know, yeah. you know, bag, <laughs> bag someone. It doesn't work like that. You really kind of need to be quite targeted. So whether it's industries that you're targeting, um, whether it's specific companies that you're targeting, take the time to understand them, understand what their pet peeves are from a business perspective, understand their pain points and tailor make proposals for them. Even if it's just, you know, a generic introductory proposal. For me, what sometimes gets me is just that introductory cover mail, for example, that shows that you've taken the time to understand uh, my business based on the information that is available to you and that you've personalized it for me. Um, just to even at least say, okay, let's have that first meeting or let me even respond to this because always look at it this way. There are so many businesses that are reaching out to corporates um, looking for work. You need to ask yourself, how am I going to stand out? And ask yourself that question from a very critical standpoint mm. um, so that you're able to look at how you can improve when you're you know, sending out proposals or when you're reaching out. Um, I definitely think, you know, being able to share your credit, your creds. So 
Um, are you credible? Even if it's just in your own professional capacity, you know, what work have you worked on previously? What was your contribution? What brands have you worked on? Um, if you have won any industry awards, for example, or if you've had uh, the opportunity to be part of panels, that always upweights and kind of, create, it kind of creates credibility for you as an individual, especially if you're a small business within brand comms specifically. Um, there needs to be some notable stuff that you've done. And notable is relative to how much you amplify this. I always say that. Um, the world doesn't need to see it, but if you carry it with that much weight, somebody can actually believe it. Um, so mm. if you've done crisis comms, are you talking about that? And are you highlighting the challenge, um, the solution you came, out, you came out with and the results, for example? So definitely be willing to share that. And I think probably most importantly after that, like follow up, um, follow up consistently. Don't just bank on one, you know, company or one proposal. Look at low-hanging fruit if you've got contacts that you can lean on. The power of your network is very helpful, especially when you're trying to get into corporates. Um, so lean on that. Um, don't be scared to ask for help. Don't be scared to ask for people to look at your work, your proposals, and critique it, um, especially if they're people who you have access to who are custodians or who are door openers. Don't be shy to be able to reach out and say, this is what I want to do. Can you maybe help me uh, by connecting me with the right person or by yeah. just giving me some advice on how I can approach it. I actually love that statement. Your network is very important. That is brilliant. Yeah. Uh, we have another question. Um, it's uh, sure. how you, how can you ensure that digital marketing, your digital marketing efforts translate to sales? And gives an example here that sometimes you can spend on a sp sponsored ad on an ad on social media and the sales don't get boosted as compared to the organic marketing efforts? Um, I think for me with that one, it's quite a technical one because it goes to your KPIs that you're setting out for your business um, and right. for that specific ad campaign and ad set. Um, you know, you can have the, the strategic jargon behind it, but when you want to achieve results, make sure you set clear parameters and KPIs and you use the right channels. Um, I'll give you an example. We focus very much so on lead generation from a sales perspective in our industry. And we use specific platforms uh, for lead gen versus brand awareness. Um, and people tend to mix those two up so easily and overlook that as well because brand awareness has different objectives and you use different platforms for that. You cannot run... Um, a search ad and then expect, you know, to just sell. It, it doesn't always work like that because search is very exploratory. Search is for, you know, sharing mm. information, first touch point for someone to find your website or your Instagram. Um, if you want to generate leads, maybe look at where's the best platform for me to reach my customers, Facebook, maybe Instagram. And those platforms have got lead generation forms that are very clear and specific and targeted. Um, so I definitely would, would, would say that would be a factor. Just setting clear um, KPIs, setting the right ad parameters when you do um, upload your ads um, and using the right media channels is so, so important um, if you want to see those results. And then obviously your targeting as well in terms of how you segment your audience. Those two need to marry um, for it's kind of work, work hand in hand. And so let's go back to your business. Uh, we don't have any questions yet, but uh, let's go back to when you had started out that business that, um, that you had at Dragon's Den. Yeah. I want to know what efforts did you make when it came to marketing and digital marketing? What helped you become so successful in that business? Um, so I understood what I was offering pretty much. Um, I was very clear who I was offering it to. And I leveraged a lot of social. Um, I never even got to, for example, search ads, display ads. I just focused on social media. Um, and that's what I, I, I leveraged. And even that being said, I used specific platforms because it was a very visual service. We're targeting largely women within a specific age group, within a specific region. So we leaned a lot on Facebook and Instagram ads. Um, and we also leaned a lot on feedback and referrals. So encouraging customers to rate our service, 
um, to share how the experience was on, on online and being able to amplify, or as you said, for example, boost some of those posts or some of that feedback that we got. So I was just very strategic and very intentional um, in understanding what I was offering and intentional about how I reached the kind of audience that I want to reach. Um, and also I just upweighted the value, you know, like I said, it's very important to understand what is the value that you're offering. Um, we don't spend enough time asking that question. And that's an ongoing question you must always ask to ensure you don't become redundant. And for me, it was convenience, it was accessibility, it was services mm. on demand. And I found different ways to articulate that in every ad that I put out. So even if it was this organic post, I would always make sure that I'm speaking to what my value proposition is, whether it's we save you time, um, you know, you can do your, your nails in the comfort of your home whilst doing homework with your kids. Um, you don't have to leave your house. Forget about the cues at the salon and having to wait for, you know, mm. just your turn to come up. I, I played on all of those messages um, to upweight what it is that we're offering. Right. Um, and another question is, do brands consider video on demand streaming as a form of digital marketing? For example, incidental exposure. 100%. Very cool question. Absolutely. Um, to your point earlier around TikTok, this is why TikTok is such a buzz right now because of video. Video is, is the future fad, if I can say, for, for social media. And I say fad because it just evolves so quickly that we don't know what's going to come next. But right now, if you're not using video, I think you are doing yourself um, a, a disservice in some form or another. Let me put it to you like this. Um, to your point, Instagram responded to TikTok by launching Reels. That's literally how yeah. Reels came about. They needed to offer a very similar um, platform and tool that TikTok has. Um, they're still to master it, but that's how Reels came about. So if you look at like big platforms such as Instagram having to react to video in such a massive way, it tells you just how big it is. Um, I think what's important though is how you use video. <laughs> so you know always consider that and always ask yourself in light of what your business does um if you are a chef if you have a catering business if you have a fitness business please use video um if you have a, you know a, a platform that offers some form of education um tutorials are always very useful um and sometimes if you just have a fun brand again you know leverage things like tiktok to create fun content people are bored and people want to digest small chunks of interesting, exciting, yeah. fun, lighthearted content, especially when, um, you know, there is so much negativity going on around us. That's the one time I definitely would say, you know, using or speaking up as a brand during difficult times with like some fun, digestible content is very useful. Um, so the person who had asked the question is saying that in terms of video demand, uh, she was referring to yes. platforms like Netflix and uh, Showmax. Absolutely. Um, definitely. The only thing with that is because those platforms are not allowing in-platform advertising. Um, it's very tricky. What brands are doing, though, is they are getting onto shows. Um, mm. So brands do consider it um, marketing, digital marketing platforms, but there is no direct ad serving within the platform. Um, what you can do is you can buy advertising within a show. Um, I'll give you an example of one that we had previously. It was the Kings of Josie, Queens Kings of Josie. <laughs> um, and they basically were selling advertising space uh, within that show, whether you could uh, brand a billboard for a specific scene or, um, you know, you could do product placement if they were shooting in a house um, as a way of example. Mm. So you can do in-show advertising that lives on the platform. Um, but there's not yet in-platform advertising that's available. And I don't think that they, would they will open it up anytime soon. Um, but that's just my own view. <laughs> I would be surprised if some of these uh, on-demand video platforms did. But definitely exploring advertising via shows is, is, is one. Right. Um, I don't think we have any more questions. All right. Oh, all right. We have another question here. All right. You people are on sure. a roll. All right. Um, <laughs> we are on a roll. Our question is, uh, is there any brand that you find personally that you find are good examples of digital marketing strategies? So this is curated for you. Love that question. <laughs> Love it. Um, there's a couple. There is a couple. One that I really like 
I think those guys are pretty cool is take a lot and by take a lot Oof. I mean the take a lot group superbalist mr d oh my goodness those guys have understood digital marketing like <laughs> the back of their hands <laughs> and why i say this is because I, for one, have become an avid user of Take A Lot because they're constantly available when I need them. Um, mm. So I could be thinking, and I'll give you a practical example. Uh, I, we recently bought an air fryer. Um, and from the moment I searched what I was looking for, because I never knew, I just, it was, you know, peer pressure and I heard about it and I needed <laughs> to understand what this product actually does. The yeah. moment I searched, Take A Lot started serving me display ads whenever I was just online on the internet um, of different kinds of air fryers. Then when I started looking at price point, they started targeting me from a price point perspective. When I went on social media, um, I would get take a lot ads popping up. And for me, that's really effective digital marketing because what you're doing is you're staying top of mind in terms of what it is that I want and also you're personalizing it for me. Um, at every time that I shift or I make a change to my search criteria, you're adjusting accordingly. Um, and things like that are basically like programmatic advertising. Um, it does get a bit more technical, but I think they're absolutely awesome. And as I said, a subsidiary of their superbulous, the moment you look for sneakers or even think about them, superbulous pops up <laughs> with a pair of, you know, shoes or dress or with whatever that you're looking for. And Another thing that I need to note that they do well is their mobile marketing from their push mm. notifications to that customer journey in app is phenomenal. It's easy. The checkout process is simple. The delivery is always on time. Their return process and policy is efficient. Like I've returned so many things that I've bought from Take A Lot and it's never a problem. You know, there's never yeah. actually an issue in that process. So I think just from the start to, to, to the end of that consumer journey, they've mastered each touch point and leveraged the right channels um, in, in their marketing. What I'm really getting out of this is just uh, within your business strategy or digital marketing strategy, have the consumer in mind. I think a lot of brands tend to get so excited and they make these complex processes yeah. and especially the refund policy. I read that so intrinsically <laughs> because I don't want a situation where now I'm told to work five weeks, five to seven working days, three to five working yeah. days, I mean, and then there's so many technical issues and I don't know what's going on. So it's, it's that yeah. user-friendly um, aspect that you keep bringing in. Um, and then in closing, I just want to know from you, your experience working at such a large corporate, um, just from looking from where you started, where you are now. I mean, Volvo Car South Africa is huge, um, but you're the head there of VCOMs and marketing. Uh, how's that experience for you? What are your key takeaways and something that principles that you think would apply to any brand today? Um, I definitely think one thing that I've taken away from working at Volvo Car South Africa mm -hmm. is the notion of the customer is at the yeah. center of everything. Um, you know, from our innovations to the technology in our cars, to our brand messaging and brand positioning, everything is always centered around the customer. And I thought I understood it previously, um, but in other roles and in, in, in other organizations, it's, you know, the customer is the center, but then so is, you know, this person's strategy and this person's business right. goals. Whereas one thing that I've understood about this brand, it's the brand that really stands for its ethos. It's a brand for people by people. Um, and you see it right through because they understand their community from employees to stakeholders to actual customers to working with media. It's always consistent and always on brand. Uh, employees are not treated any less because they're worker bees. Um, they understand that employees are your biggest advocates, so they treat their employees quite well. Um, customers, whether a customer is unhappy, and I mean, we fight against the big giants. We basically are like that small fish <laughs> when we're talking about, you know, the German, the German counterparts, BMW, Mercedes. Mercedes, Audi. But one thing I think that we've been working on over the years is again, really looking at our customer experience and how do we improve that. So definitely learned that from working on that brand. But I think in terms of just my journey to where I am now, it's been such an evolution and an exciting one. 
Um, because I think you start out thinking you know what marketing is and the yeah. more years you spend within it, you really get your hands dirty and understand, especially as you look after different brands, you know, what is it that it stands for? How do you deliver value on an ongoing basis if you want to deliver results? And how do you become a good marketer? How do you separate your, you know, personal views and personal interests for the betterment of what the brand stands for? Um, and also sometimes walking away from brands that don't resonate with you or that yeah. you're not able to look after effectively so it's been a very exciting journey but I constantly evolve and it's taught me something that you never stop learning in marketing because just when you think you've mastered tv digital comes when you think you've mastered digital, <laughs> TikTok comes. <laughs> so we're constantly evolving but I love the industry I wouldn't trade my career for anything <laughs> you know and for us watching just from the outskirts we're just so proud to see a beautiful black woman really pushing forward and as they head, and I'm really excited for your journey. I'll be watching, seeing what they, what articles you're, you. you're featured on on LinkedIn. So <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for taking thank the time. Thank you so much. It's, it's been so no, amazing. Thank you. And thank you for reaching out. Um, it really, it's been awesome. I've enjoyed the session. I think you've got a great platform. Um, and I look forward to our paths crossing again. If anything, if you ever need anything in the digital marketing space or strategy, please give me a shout. I, well, we have evidence now. So people heard that. I'm going <laughs> to shout out. I'm just going to set it out there. And to our audience, thank you so much for being so loyal and joining in. Um, I really appreciate you all. Enjoy the rest of your afternoon. <laughs> Thanks, guys. And thank you for being patient with our technical glitches. <laughs> It happens. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Cheers. You. Bye. Have a good one. Bye.